This is the 75th episode of Stockholm Legacy Report, a podcast about paper legacy. My name is Victor Bernhardt. With me, as always, are my dear co-hosts, Robinson Sien and Christopher Wikström. Warm welcome to you, dear listener. Hello, all. Hope you're doing well. Oh my god, he stole my <laughs> he stole my line, so I'm just gonna go, good evening, or whatever Robin usually says. <laughs> Stockholm Legacy Report can be found whenever we release on the Top Tech app. This week we celebrate 75, which of course is a magic number in Magic the Gathering. As suggested by our listener Beggar Hero in our Discord, it is a proper that we pay homage to the full 75 and talk a little bit about sideboarding today. And we will, but first, as always, Robin and Christopher, you were down at a local game store last week to play Paper Legacy. How did that go, Robin? I brought the trusted Nyadepts again. I shaved one. Uh, if you remember from last week, I lost against Lance in the finals. So I, I brought back the random up excavator to improve that matchup a little bit. In game one, I faced off against one of our resident D&T players. But he was not on D&T anymore. I swiftly lost to the Dungeon Stompy deck. Zero two. Then I was up against uh, quite a spicy blue and white Stoneblade deck. True names and stifles. And match one was this little dance around Kaldra and a jit, which I maced. Then he wasted my maze and plowed my excavators so I couldn't get back the maze. And I ended up having my reclaimers fetching the step to prevent the damage from the Kaldra. By doing that, I bought myself time to make a merit leech as a like last ditch effort. And he didn't have an answer for that. And in game two, it was a quite fast Minskambu for which he had no real answer. And it snowballed, if I remember correctly. Then game three was against Jund. And in game one, I've been talking a little bit uh, how the like the black discard spells can be kind of hard to play against in a deck that doesn't have any filtering or, or card uh, drawing spells. But this time... It went the other way that he had hand disruption while I had a board presence. And also my plan that game was a fast merit leech for which he didn't have an answer. And then in game two he stumbled a bit on his mana and he had a bob that hurt him a lot. He revealed ley lines, he boarded in a ley line package against me. I had a mock start so I was a little bit ahead on mana and got the first Minskan Boo into play. Like, this is a Minskambu mirror, <laughs> and the deck that plays Caracas and Mox is heavily favored, obviously. But, like, anything can happen in a Minskambu mirror, I guess. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I guess, like, Reclaimer must be such a good card yeah. against Jund. Like, it's, when you get free lands in the graveyard, the bolts are yeah. off, and that must be very hard to deal with, especially when you're threatening Merit and just dropping Minskambu and stuff. The more I play this little guy, the more I get to like him. He's such a one-mana planeswalker in, in a deck full of uh, utility lands. He has this sort of ultimate which take a few turns to make a 20-20. And he has the, like, the, the bog mode <laughs> that removes the graveyard. And then the, the like, protection mode with the maze and check a legendary creature with Caracas. So it's like a, a multi-mode planeswalker. It's really cool. To play reclaimer. Speaking of Jund and discard, sort of, I get this feeling, and this is, I guess, already going into sideboard territory a bit. But there are so many sort of 
lost and forgotten sideboard cards against Jund discard that you would mm-hmm. play sort of in the before times <laughs> like the Baelos, even the Wiltleaf Liege, like there were so many sort of ways to get Jund in that sort of, right. they would blood bread into a thought cease and you would reveal Wiltleaf and two lands and they'd be like oh Jesus mm. And like in more recent memory just playing Veil of Summer in your green deck is super strong against black discard but like you cannot really afford that card anymore I think No like all all of these cards are just sort of too slow too unaffecting the board it's just yeah it makes me realize how many cards we are not playing with anymore I'm gonna say a sideboard card that uh, Jund used to play just to see a reaction from you too do you remember Maelstrom Pulse? Oh. Right. I remember this was a sought-after card yeah. that you would pay serious money for. This this card, we'll never see it in Legacy again. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah. It's it's so inefficient for three mana. In theory, you could, if you play Bug, you could target your own True Name Nemesis to kill theirs, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> 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 but yeah, it's uh, I'm not, I'm not sure if that even works. That's a two for one. <laughs> yeah, it's a two for one. But yeah, you can just play Lil- Liliana of the Veil as well, and sort of just yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'll, I'll pour one out for our homemade Maelstrom for Pulse. Yep. Yeah, yep. it was a nice art on that one as well. Mm-hmm. The final game was against a local end boss, of course, on Painter. In game one, it was this sub game where he had Goblin Welder and some artifacts in his graveyard and I was representing an endurance. Somehow this this sort of waiting game that emerged was in my favor because by making land drops I could eventually just make a merit lage and win that game. I think he was a little bit frustrated that he didn't just like jam his threats <laughs> and try to sort of play around my endurance. But I had no I had no hurry because I just wanted to make land drops and make merit lage. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I guess like what makes those things really scary, like if he has the painter and he's just, you know, waiting for a golden opportunity, he he might in game one have a lot of, you know, reb effects and stuff like that. But sometimes, you know, there are a lot of ways to to get a grindstone from your deck. So I, I understand if he was uh, a bit mad for not making you have it. That's a lot of time how you lose against depths because you can just attack from so many angles anyways. Yeah, I've lost a lot of times against a red blast on the Thespian <laughs> stage when making the Merit Lage, but I'm pretty sure that he, in the in cyborg games at least, he boards the blasts out because they are a little bit too narrow, I think. Yeah, for sure. Like, it would be the first cards I'd look at. I don't really remember the game two. I think I lose that one. And in game three, I had multiple plowshares for his threats and a timely wasteland that kept him from, like, multi spelling a collector oof to buy me a little bit of time and then i could make a merit lage for a little swing there as well i think you were witnessing the final game there christopher yeah and it was so scary like you both were playing really tight and when i was watching the hope do his math he had this situation where he was like one mana or one artifact away from going for a grindstone kill yeah it was it was a super interesting game it was i'm definitely glad that i got to catch some of that yeah it's a nice little puzzle those like that matchup really enjoyable to play so ended up 3-1 3-1 and really happy about that result because it means that the Nyadept continue to 
perform for me and that's that it's a very fun deck to play yeah that is super cool how was your thursday evening christopher it was pretty nice well it was my premiere event for the year legacy wise so i decided to play a learn again <laughs> i finally got to play against the initiative so now i have finally done it what can i say i did say it once maybe on the podcast but having eight strixes and a couple of endurances can't hurt you when you're playing against a creature deck where you can steal their effect but i actually did manage to to lose one of the games so in all three games my opponent had a turn one falia <laughs> which is very scary <laughs> wow but what makes this like yeah but also this is just making me understand like this deck is built just to do things like that on turn one like that it's not a vile like a white plume adventure might be pretty nice actually when it's a falia and you're playing a creature deck still in game one we're trading blows and like my opponent gets the initiative gets to do some of their things and i get to play a four mana enchantment for five mana and just (laughs) straight up kill him so after all of that uh you know dungeon crawling (laughs) from on his end he just ends up dying anyways but in game two i think i mold to six and he has a turn one falia that i have to force a will which really sucks when you're on a six also i just think like his fret snowballed or something i can't remember but in game three we had a really interesting situation my opponent just kept on jamming initiative creatures and i played one of my Invictor's favorite bugs out there, the Grist. Mm. Grist is super good against initiative. Like, unbelievably, of course he is. <laughs> unbelievably good. Buys you time. Unbelievably good. Yeah, like pluses to buy you time. And in a deck like this, when I'm talking about buying time, I'm talking about drawing into your death touch creatures or your pernicious deeds of the world and stuff like that so i had a grist in play and my opponent just could not for their life get through it they went through the undercity one and a half time (laughs) and i was still just holding fort they played that you know the palace jailer had the monarch for uh, two turns and you know was just living their best life over there and i was just holding fort until i just clogging the board (laughs) yeah no 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 not even that like i was just like waiting for the golden opportunity because i was sculpting my perfect now i'm gonna put the hurt in the dirt so (laughs) when my opponent says draw for the monarch i'm like i have a response i proceed to kill one of one of his two creatures untap and minus grist on the other one attack him with an insect to steal the monarch and initiative and then i play two strixes and i have a quattal in my hand so my opponent has zero creatures in play and i just stole the monarch and the initiative and i'm sitting with a force of will in hand also and from there i just super like clogged the board up so hard like it's the worst like not not the most experienced plumber would get through that toilet (laughs) i created on my end (laughs) victor is like in disbelief but it was like nothing's gonna get through here so yeah eventually after a couple of turns when i drew like four cards a turn my opponent scooped is like the the dungeoneer must be like the most scary threat from them since it can gain protection from creatures when it attacks yeah for sure like so like your death touchers aren't all that good at blocking it yeah for sure that must be the absolute scariest thing they can conjure 
and the mm. scariest thing I can conjure is a is a four mana enchantment that kills them. So it's it's kind of they they really need to put the clock on. I understand yeah. how like you know I I used to say like the burden is on them to close the game, but the initiative deck is really good at doing this. Yeah. So it, it it was definitely scary. It's it's a scary matchup, but I. I'm going to go on the record and say that I think Alurn has a positive matchup against the initiative. We'll see, I guess. Yeah, we'll see. Like, there <laughs> to all of those other five Alurn players in the world out there <laughs> listening to this. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> nah, but then I went on to play against the person who's in second place of the league. So it was kind of fun. It was like the first place and the second place uh, showdown. My opponent w- had a smirk. He said that he was playing a spicy one. He goes ahead and plays uh, Once Upon a Time and reveals a fury. And I'm like, this looks like red green painter, like painter with Once Upon a Time. In game one, we do have like a little back and forth. He's playing Fable of the Mirror Breaker and just, you know, good stuff until I I get to combo kill him with Alurn. But at this point, I haven't seen any welders. I have not seen like an artifact I think a chalice maybe. My opponent was even so like sneaky. He played a chalice on two in game one because he, and then he said, because I know what you're playing. And I was like, man, (laughs) that's rude. And then just decayed (laughs) But still, it hurt my feelings when he did that. Then in game two, we both mull to six and he goes, just land, go. And I decide to go uh, basic forest, birds of paradise. And he plays another land, pitch simian spirit guide play fable and i'm like i can two for two here my opponent just like he's digging for good cards right now like the fable is gonna get him mana it's gonna let him filter his hand so i i straight up force it and then i untap and jam grist <laughs> which is pretty good this is where i learned that my opponent is playing cards like trinisphere in their deck which they play mm. a turn after that my opponent plays a minskin boo which actually gets to kill grist uh, the hamster so i go really deep into the tank i get to kill minskin boo uh, not directly i i attacked it with an endurance but then i i play a pernicious deed so i can blow up the hamster like just mine like just blow it for zero and keep all my things and then kill Minskinboo next turn. I learned that my my opponent is playing Food Chain because he just straight up plays Squee that you can cast from exile and your graveyard. And this is where everything just adds together and I understand it is a spicy one. <laughs> so he's playing some sort of stompy Food Chain which is uh, very nice. It's it's kind of like the Goblin's Food Chain that we've seen a bit, but eight Spirit Guides. Yeah. But yeah, after a bit back and forth, I think my escaped Uro and an Endurance just kills him. Then I proceeded to play against Reanimator. Not too much to say here. We had some super tight games. We know this matchup. I, I would say that it is very scary for Food Chain, just not for Alern, just because the velocity the deck has in game one i had force endurance my opponent had grief unmask and i still got to win it with like a turn two reanimator reanimation of grizzlebrand how did you win this what happened well i also play two ether chandler and two brazen borrower along with so many stupid death touch creatures so like (laughs) you don't really sure like if you're in a bad situation you might just want to draw yourself down to 
to life an attack just to get draw another reanimation spell or something like that what what was really fun was that me having an ether chandler in the graveyard pseudo turned off exhume because then i just get to bounce the creature he puts into play but he we end up in this super weird situation in game one where he plays animate dead on gristlebrand draws some cards and then exhumes to put the uh, Sarah's emissary is that the name yeah yeah into play on creature i put in edder chandler and now i can't bounce anything so i draw a card and i have a brazen borrower in place i know that i have my fix for the Sarah's emissary but not for the grizzlebrand so uh, this is still game one so i brainstorm and i find a decay also so i get to decay the animated and brazen borrower the Sarah's emissary and attack for exaxis Nice. In game two, I, I showed uh, Robin, I took a picture of my starter, and I even uploaded it on Twitter. So you're playing against Reanimator, and you, your, your hand, game two, is Force of Will, Force of Negation, Mind Break Trap, Endurance, Quattel, Quattel, Land, Slam Keep, one that. Oh, you did, did you? Yeah. <laughs> and then round four, I played against one of those scariest matchups for this deck, probably. It's very scary. It's Merfolk. But my opponent did wow. get a bit lucky in game one. He was in top deck mode because he had to force an Aluren. And he had zero cards in hand. I had stabilized and they had one true name nemesis in play and I was at six life. So they attacked me for free and pass with zero cards. No, 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 no. They attacked me for free and they had drawn their card. And it was unlicensed hers. And I had two Uro in my graveyard. This is the only card that would have done this this badly for me at this stage. But, you know, sometimes it happens. And game two, I just got super merfolked. You know, sometimes you just get merfolked. And I'm staring down the board and I'm like, yeah, this Aluren needs to resolve. They have two (laughs) cards in in their hand and I'm pretty sure that one of them is (laughs) blue and the other one says pitch a blue card. And it was... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so yeah, free one. But it was it was fun. Like I'm really glad that I got to play against the initiative. So now I got I got some idea of what I should do. But like I kind of already did. Like you don't go for a combo plan. You just try and beat them fairly, and it's probably gonna be in your favor. Time for the full 75. Let's talk about sideboards. First off, what is your personal relation to sideboarding, Robin? Well, sideboarding is like one of the more fun aspects of constructed magic, I think. And building your your main deck and mapping the ins and outs with the sideboard is one of those things that you do with magic that is not the actual playing, <laughs> which is as as a dad how you spend a lot of your magic time <laughs> because like you get to play once or twice a week, but then you probably think about magic a lot more and work with your cards or sort them or categorize them or just shuffle your deck and uh, goldfish it and work out the sideboard mapping so i really like the sideboard that's that's my relationship to it yeah like i i really think that one of the things that makes magic such a wonderful game is uh, the you know 15 cards or 
up to 15 card sideboard because I think it makes the game so dynamic. What your opponent is hiding in their sideboard never ceases to amaze me. In every meta, we see like, okay, so control is the deck to beat. So if you're a control deck, you have all of these how to break the mirror cards in there. And if you're a combo player, you're sideboarding philosophy is just completely different if you look at reanimator sideboards or tes then you know delver can go even bigger or bring in some hate cards or just try and make the deck even more efficient when you know that you know the force of wills aren't going to be necessary here so i i think sideboarding is it's one of the things that makes this already very dynamic format extremely uh, more dynamic and interesting i always uh, like to squeeze in a fun of one-off in the sideboard what about you victor yeah i mean to start off i suck at sideboarding but that's all i think due to the fact that i am not really a master brewer more of a tuner of other people's good ideas however i will say when i've been more successful in my sideboarding it's when i've actually trusted my guts sort of for whichever tournament i'm gonna go play put the cards that i think will work and they usually work sort of better (laughs) than sort of other people's strong advice i mean it all has to do i guess with that sort of sideboards are of course extremely dependent on where you are and what meta you're playing in and who you're playing against and, th- and that's why sort of whenever people are like yeah do you have a sideboard guide for this deck and it's like sure i have one for the <laughs> meta i played last week <laughs> yeah, yeah that's <laughs> yeah. But like yeah i'm going to a gp what's the sideboard for this well you know <laughs> depends <laughs> yeah <laughs> what do you want to play against i mean currently of course if you were to play in magic online your your sideboard is going to be against initiative and delver fine but if you go into a paper tournament, uh, it's a whole different story. Yeah, like that is the most significant thing, I, I think, about like a beggar hero's question. Because he he calls himself uh, a net decker. And like a lot of the net decks are obviously taken from uh, from the online meta. From the net. <laughs> I mean, that's... that's <laughs> they are, they are the worst, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> they are taken from the internet. I mean, the online meta is so inbred, especially now when there's a new, like, hot, very strong deck beating up almost everything else in Legacy. I think I've seen figures of the online meta being, like, Initiative plus Delver is more than 50% of the decks or something like that in the winner's meta. Fun! (laughs) And, like, of course, the sideboard will have to match that if you're going to play online. But, like, if you go to a local game store or even if you play in a larger tournament with the paper meta, you are going to face decks that don't really exist online i think you have to take that in consideration when you're net decking that uh, some of the card choices are probably very specific yeah for sure not only when it comes to card choices and and stuff like that i think one thing that's like i can't stress how important this is is to have a good heuristic for your specific deck i have seen so many people and this is one of the things that baffles me the most when it comes to legacy deck design it's when you have this card that's just absolutely fantastic against a certain deck and you're building your sideboard to beat the top dogs of the meta and you have all of these you know really like haymaker cards in the sideboard but 
you uh, like it's equally important to understand how you win a matchup not just how you like sure if you keep your opponent from winning that's a quite good game but every deck is not stacks that lock someone out a lot of times you actually have to close the games as well when it comes to you know uh, some discussions that i've heard about if you're a delver deck if you're playing like a rug or something like that now you're playing stifles and you're like yeah but that's really good against initiative you know what's really good against initiative too like oh do you know what's really good against your deck a free free say stifling a trigger doesn't really do all that much i mean sure it's worse if they get the trigger but understanding how you win a matchup really helps you build a good sideboard too because i i do have a lot of cards in my deck that are worse than a lot of the cards in the sideboard when i'm playing a specific deck and not only a learn like when you're playing delver or doomsday you're like yeah this card is probably better but it's really important not to dilute your main deck and remove the ways that you normally close a game this is not only due to like over sideboarding i think it's also just a, an understanding of how you actually close any given matchup so that's one of the things i can't stress enough like bring in the cards that's going to help you win more then it's going to disrupt the opponent because they're bringing in cards to disrupt your game plan too and if you're making your game plan less consistent it's going to get even harder for you to win so yeah the those are just like my two cents on sideboarding yeah and i, I like that uh, sort of heuristic very much that you keep of course, your sideboard is mostly answers, but it's also very nice to have a little bit of different threats in your sideboard. Like not only the blasts and the resting pieces or whatever it is that is supposed to fight your opponent's game plan. It's also really nice to have like a way to attack from another angle, for instance. Especially if you know like how, how the opponent is going to sideboard against you so that you can sort of juke out of that. Lately... I've been playing uh, like True Name back in the sideboard for the Delver deck. I mean, this is somewhat against the initiative deck because you want a beater that always will get through with damage and you also want it to be proof from the plows. But like, it's also a nice juke against the graveyard hate that almost every deck bring in against Delver nowadays. I mean, it's not the surgicals, but it's like the... The Ley Lines or... Yeah, yeah. A Licensed Thirst or the Ley Lines or the Endurance. And like... If you can't rely on your threats because now the graveyard is under attacks, it's really nice to have like this little little bit of a juke and a threat that is c- completely independent of the sideboard uh, of the graveyard. Yeah, I mean I like that in Reanimator as well. Uh, I mean these days it's a standard thing that a certain percentage of Reanimator decks will play a show and tell sort of semi-transformational sideboard, but as the opponent to a reanimator deck you don't really know right like is this like if if you see an underground sea in game one sure you know they're probably at least potentially on the show and tell plan but then again you might want to ask the player reveal your your underground sea to make your opponent think that you will sideboard into show and tell yeah and and that's like a very interesting little puzzle i think as well that say that you have like four blasts in the sideboard like, are you going to bring in those blasts in addition to all of the graveyard hate that you are bringing in? And what kind of cards do you cut from your main deck if if you do that? Maybe you are not bringing in the show and tells and you have, like, these completely dead blasts. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because playing Reanimator, I sometimes 
find my opponents diluting themselves by just over sideboarding because they think and rightly so they think that i mean uh, it's it's right to say that the combo is of course extremely potent like there's nothing to be said uh, otherwise than that it's it's a super powerful combo sure but how much do you want to protect yourself from the combo to the point whereas even though you have three cyborg cards in your hand the way the reanimator plays you might still be dead to a single thoughtsies and then followed up by the proper sort of uh, combo yeah for sure that's that's a massive problem that kind of harks on what i i talked about earlier i i definitely agree and me personally if i play a deck that has red blasts and i've seen an underground sea from reanimator i still don't bring them in and this is just like if I can't stop them with my counter magic otherwise that I already have, just bring in the the graveyard hate and make them have the show and tell instead of you bringing in all of these cards that are dead against a super efficient combo deck. Like it's the only thing it stops. Yeah, and like that is that is one thing that I feel like in the paper meta, there's always these uh, deck specialists and also people who only have one deck that they will bring no matter the meta. You are going to face off against those players, <laughs> no matter what like the online meta or like what MTG Goldfish or MTG Top 8 says that you should be facing. You will be facing your local crowd. Uh, thus, you will be playing against lands even if it's completely wiped away from the online meta at this point because it's it's so hard to fight initiative with lands but you will face that on your on your local game store and the same goes for like storm and other decks that people are like are having very dear to their heart and uh, like you you need cards against those decks as well in your sideboard you cannot only fight against like the top decks i think and uh that is something that I always think about when 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 building the sideboard for a paper tournament. It's you you need to to fight like the the hottest deck and like you you need to respect the delvers and the initiatives, but you also need something for those decks that you know will show up, even though they are not considered to be at the top tier. And and since this is a you know discussion about the sideboard, to go back to what uh, Victor talked about uh, earlier with the obstinate balloffs of the world, do you guys have any sweethearts from the past that used to live in your sideboard? that might not make the cut today are there any cards that you're like super nostalgic about putting in your sideboard sort of feast and famine oh nice one (laughs) in in the stoneforge deck then uh yeah 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 but like i mean still today of course if you resolve a sort of feast and famine and get it online it's a very potent sword it's extremely nasty It's, it's so cool and it's it feels so hopeless to play against a sort of feast and fam that connects it like your opponent just gets to do everything having said that don't really know when you would bring in the sort of feast and famine these days well yeah and uh, the feast and famine it's like the feeling of despair times 50 when you're playing against a stone blade deck and they get to untap all of their blue lands <laughs> that's just like the worst what about you, Robin? Do you have a sweetheart from the past or something that you just slide into your sideboard every now and then? One of my favorite cards of all time is Winter Orb. And like I take any opportunity 
to play it in the sideboard. It's <laughs> a good one. Yeah, like if you have a lot of uh, mana rocks or mana dorks, there's always room for a winter orb for the control matchups in the sideboard. And also if you play a very lean deck like a Delver deck of the past that is not so mid-rangey, I would always uh, play winter orb in that one as well. That is one of my absolute favorite sideboard cards and... I have won so many games with Winter Orb because it just time walks. <laughs> Multiple time walks. Multiple times. I saw someone in the, um, speaking of Super Sweethearts, in the Reanimator Discord who had played actual factual gloom. Yeah. Ooh. Three, co- three copies <laughs> to sort of a winning result and in some tournament. And that just made my entire year i think yeah that's uh that's that's beautiful man i mean if you if you play rituals it's it's a really good turn one play against the initiative deck and if you play online and it's like a fourth of your matches are against that i think it's a reasonable sideboard card <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah, just put it in there land or creature gloom go oh man what about you, Christopher? Do you have a favorite sideboard card? I have uh, two sweethearts from the past. One is Vendillion Click. Oh, yes. Uh, I just love Vendillion Click. And especially when Leovold was just printed and you at the end of their draw step just clicked them and they couldn't draw another card. Stuff like that was, you know, super cool. But the the card that brings me the most joy whenever I get to put it in a sideboard and it's good in a meta, and this is, might come as a shock to some of you, but Dark Blast <laughs> oh. just makes me so happy. Like when, when Ragavan Delver was the top deck, I played some Shek Pile and I brought two Dark Blasts in my sideboard and I just crushed that deck so hard. Okay, so you wanna... Okay, I see. You have a DRC that survives. But every unflipped Delver and Ragavan, I'm just gonna kill forever. And your Merktides, I got Strixes for for those, baby. (laughs) But, you know, whenever Dark Blast is good in the meta, or you're playing against elves or something, you just get to Dark Blast them. And you get to do it multiple times a turn, sometimes with Brainstorm and you dredge, and you just keep on doing the Dark Blast. Yeah, I love Dark Blast. And whenever I get to put it in my sideboard because it, it's good in the meta, I love it. Like I, I have a, a sort of a favorite that is a little bit similar to Dark Blast and that is Liliana, The Last Hope. <laughs> Which oh, yeah, is yeah, like yeah. when you could play mm, yeah, that, yeah. when the meta is weak to a Dark Blast effect or Liliana, it's such a nice like alternate wind con to have that also controls the board but unfortunately i haven't played it for a very long time but no it really goes into that category as well like cyborg cards that used to be extremely powerful when they were good and now she's just gone yeah it's like she doesn't kill drc she doesn't kill like she kills falia and that elite spellbinder thing in initiative then it doesn't touch pretty much anything I, I, I guess, don't quote me on this, there's probably some other card that does something. But there are just so many cards like with a with a big butt now that survives it. I guess for free mana in this meta, I would probably just prefer to play... Gloom. <laughs> Gloom. Or, uh, or the Web Slinger Grist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. Something that snowballs. But she snowballs, but her snowballing is more like you can't really play small creatures and I get creatures back. And if I get to ultimate, it's really bad. 
But the sort of snowballing that fire design has brought up in Planeswalkers with Oko, Grist, and the Minskinboo is, here's a Planeswalker. <laughs> it's going to put some creatures into play. You have this amount of time to fix this problem. Yeah. And Grist is probably the absolute kindest version of a Planeswalker that does this set might have ever been printed yeah but then it has the minus that makes it really ridiculous like you can't really play creatures and if you play a planeswalker i'm gonna yeet it out of here as well right love it and that my friends is all we have for this week if you have a spicy 75 or a way of approaching sideboarding that you think we've missed you are most welcome to share your wisdom on our discord server you can find the link in this episode description in addition to discord you can hit us up on twitter at sthlm legacy we're also present person on social media robin where can our listeners hi 75 you you can find me on twitter at jacka underscore boo and you can hi 75 me at monolith mtg on twitter and i am at disco drogo on the same platform and that is the end of the 75th episode of stock legacy report thank you robinson and anchors of Wikstrom. i am as always victor bernhardt's special thanks to you dear person for listening all the way to the end the great fairness has written our music you can find more of their work on spotify unfortunately no trombone mixes but you know <laughs> until our next episode please everyone spare a thought for players of other collectible card games where sideboarding does not exist